Hello, and welcome to the CEO Blindspot Show, where leaders lead leaders. I'm your host, Birgit Camps, and today's guest is Bob Zorik, one of the four founding partners of NCAP Investments. And it's a firm that has actually raised over $37 billion from over 350 institutional investors and 21 funds since inception. So, Bob, given that you and your partner started NCAP back in 1988 and have focused on the energy industry, I think it's pretty safe for our listeners to assume you've been through a few crises. And yet, you know, to me, it seems like everything you touch turns to gold because you're still succeeding. You're still with your four partners and you're still married to Barbara. So I'm going to turn the show over to you because you and I have talked and you've discovered plenty of blind spots in other people. And of course, I'm curious, have you ever discovered any blind spots about yourself? Welcome to our show. Well, thank you, Birgit. I appreciate it very much. You know, turning everything to gold, I wish that was a true statement. Uh, <laughs> and that's probably not a true statement. So I think it's very difficult to turn everything into gold. So what we are about at NCAP and what, what I believe in is really just kind of stay, staying with your fundamentals and your values and letting your values drive your day-to-day decisions. And I think that's what's held us in good stead over the last 32 years here at NCAP and how we have survived the, the various cycles uh, that have occurred in the past. And uh, frankly, uh, we're in the middle of another one right this second. Yes. And so what have you seen that has been missed by other leaders or what blind spots have you discovered in the various crises? Well, I think the the most obvious thing to me is that, and we're all, I think it's, it's a human frailty in a way to kind of live in a place where you have had success in the past. And you could call it a bubble if you'd like to. And that bubble is comfortable because it has been a spot where success has uh, taken place. And yet the environment around us continues to change. So when you contrast the changing environment to the bubble, it's probably unrealistic to think that the bubble is going to be something which will always provide success in all seasons. And I think that's probably the biggest, oh, I'd call it a a blind spot, perhaps, that that we're all guilty of uh, falling into from time to time. I think uh, when you see large changes take place in the world, such as the world we're living in right this second, of course, in, in, in our world, which is energy related, clearly we've had a combination of events here that have made this much more than a little bit of oversupply of a product. Uh, we've got oversupply and demand destruction kind of going on at the same time, which is uh, which creates a lot of oversupply. And so I think to not look at this time as being kind of unprecedented and different would be a large mistake. Uh, we've got the oil and gas things, the pandemic, the money printing, monetary easing. We're on the heels of kind of an unprecedented growth in U.S. production and reserve growth. We've got unprecedented concern for the environmental impact of the quadrupling of the world's population over the last you know 70 or 80 years. And we basically also at the same time, kind of have an unprecedented reduction in the number of people living at the subsistence level around the world. Hmm. So there are just lots of things going on which have created a totally different environment than one in which we've all lived in fragments of some of those, but not all of them at one time. Yeah. So what advice are you giving your own CEOs that you've provided some funds to right now? Well, I think all of us have to open our eyes to the reality of where we are. And if 
For example, six months ago was a good time to worry about things like your borrowing-based revolver or liquidity in general, and whereas today maybe survival uh, might be a better thing to be thinking about. And so I think you just have to continue to think through the, the situation you're in. And I look around today and I see a lot of people that are relatively unrealistic about the amount of risk inherent in our current environment. Yeah, so you seem to be very gifted at looking or uncovering and dealing with facts. Uh, earlier, you busted me on saying, you know, everything that you touch turns to gold is not a fact. <laughs> but from knowing someone that used to be in one of your companies that you funded that has since left and wishes that they would be back into your funds, so to speak, because they said that you are also a partner with everybody and you, you don't just give people money, you also help them think strategically through things. Having said that, would you say that you're also very gifted at picking management teams and picking partners? I mean, you're still with the same four partners. And how much is picking the, the right people or surrounding yourself with the right people? How much does that impact being able to make it through crisis? Well, when you think about values, you, know, you start with honesty, integrity, and things that really do matter, and treating others as you want to be treated. And I think that uh, there are a lot of smart people. There are a lot of people that are insightful in certain, uh, and, and have the right risk profile for certain seasons. But I think there are very few people who can adapt to change over time. And I think those values allow you to, to be a good partner, and it's a two-way street. So, you know, that's what's kind of held our partnership together. That's what's made us good partners for others. And then I do think the ability to kind of to act like a like a sailor would act where you're trying to, well, I'm not <laughs> I'm not a sailor at, at any level, but, you know, the concept of the wind changing and being alert to when it changes, I think is a reasonable analogy to, you know, how you will act as a business person. Uh, as if you want to win, you've got to be sensitive to things going on around you. So I think the combination of the having a base of values that drive your decision making uh, will keep you in good stead with your partners. It will create trust. Trust creates the possibility of longevity to your relationships. And all of that goes kind of hand in hand and over time can create success. Yeah. And that's not just something that you say, it's actually something that others say about you. You know, Marty, who's the CEO of Protege Energy, literally quoted that true grit partnership is what he's experienced with you guys. And I guess he's on the third company together now with you. And then another one, Greg Armstrong is with Planes All American, also claims that, you know, you're constantly adding value and you guys share the values and you create win-win results. So again, tell me how I'm wrong that everything you touch is not gold. <laughs> well, I think there's all types of gold, right? There's the financial gold, which is probably the one that you can't just produce on demand. Mm. But I think the, the gold related to the relationships is something that you can create successfully over and over again through the being careful with how you deal with others and generally exercise your values uh, in those relationships. Yeah. So would you say that you guys came from modest backgrounds, but you came from very wealthy values? 
is uh, yeah, I think our parents all probably had it much more difficult than we did. And you know, if you think back to times, you know, times were a lot more difficult. You know, we had world wars, we had depressions uh, in their lifetimes, and you know, relatively speaking, we've had it pretty easy. But those values that they gained by virtue of going through those hard times, and and also their own their own parents and the values that they passed along. Uh, they do actually go from generation to, to generation. Yeah. You also give a lot to, to charities and, well, so do your partners. So what, if anything, has surprised you about leading people? You know, I, I think in general, the goodness of people is what continues to kind of come through those relationships that we've had. Mm -hmm. And the fact that people want to do the right thing. I know there's a lot of... Uh, skepticism about people's intent today, but I think it's uh, way overstated. And at the core, I think everyone is trying to do the right thing. I think there may be an exception or two to that, but, but in general, I think that's true. And then it's a question of whether you're alert and you're uh, attuned to what is actually going on around you, which is kind of that blind spot I originally spoke about. Yeah. And how do you tell if someone has that ability? Well, I think you see it with 2020 hindsight most of the time. I personally don't know if you can be astute enough to ask the right questions to figure that out, but you definitely know it when you see it. And, but then again, if the person has good values, I think if you explain the situation as you see it, you know, like part of that value system involves humility, and I think humility allows you to listen to and take in what's going on around you a little bit better. Yeah. Well... What hard lesson have you learned as a leader? Well, that you never stop learning, I mm. think, would be the, the simple thing. I mean, eventually, I guess you die and you'll, you'll stop learning at that point. But up until that point, you'll probably continue to learn because there are new things that are happening all around you every day. Yeah, today you're learning a whole, whole new set of uh, <laughs> skill sets. Yeah, it may be uh, still tastes like chocolate, but it's a different kind of chocolate than I've had yeah. And I have to say, you know, one of the top blind spots I see in leaders is the lack of succession planning. Yet it seems like you've already taken care of that as well with some kind of plan. So any tips as we start to wrap up the show for other leaders around succession planning? Well, I think succession planning is, is part of being a good partner. And whether it's to your your own partners, to the employees that you're effectively partnered with, or whether it's your, in our case, our institutional investor partners, everyone wants the organization to continue and be successful. And it's in all of our best interest. We're all kind of connected at the hip with that goal. I mean, I think an alternative goal would be, could be more selfish and possibly more lucrative. But I think long term, we decided as a group that it would be in our own best interest for all sorts of reasons, including money, to have our firms outlive us. So succession planning was good for all of us. And you were able to select the people to be part of this by, again, mostly the values alignment, or do you look for a certain kind of mindset? Well, you're looking for leadership by and large, which would involve that value system. You know, we've created a culture and the people that have worked here are part of that culture. And so then you look beyond that culture piece, you're looking for the leadership. Yeah. And so I think it gives a running start on being successful and, and they'll take the company in directions that we never thought about. 
Well, and as long as I've known you, you are very consistent in the way you make decisions. So it sounds like that has continued throughout your company. I know some of the institutions that, you know, where you raise money are international. Anything that you want to say around how you're having to pivot from international events are happening right now? You know, our, our institutional investors have been very long, steady partners with us. And about 20% of them are international. And of course, they're astute and they're watching what's going on as well. And so there are a lot of, a lot of things in the, in the winds today that affect their decision making as well as our own. And so you're constantly trying to find the right way to be a good partner for them. Uh, one of the things we've done recently is create a renewables fund, and we brought in experts from that particular arena to run that for us. And I think it's going to be a very, very successful entry into that space by our firm uh, on behalf of ourselves and, of course, our investors. Yeah. Well, then, as we wrap up the shows, or any last piece of advice you want to give to new leaders who've never been through a crisis? Yeah, you know, when you bring up the concept of new leaders, it makes me think back to my own uh, history. And, you know, I kind of recall being relatively confident in my ability early on in my career to navigate difficult and thorny problems with my own concept of logic. And it always came as a shock to me that some people would be unable to get to the same answer the way I did. I was somewhat familiar with that problem from a marital point of view, <laughs> but of course those were not business issues. But being part of a partnership kind of forced me, blessed me, however you would like to say it, with having to listen better to the thoughts of others. And over time, it became very apparent to me that our firm success in decision-making was not due to the genius of any one partner, but rather was the fabric woven by the good thoughts of all. So just another of life's examples where humility can help propel you forward, obviously one of the values as well. And you know, while none of us are perfect in uh, exhibiting that at all times, I do think that that is something a new leader can think through and add to his repertoire to allow him to have a, a better chance of success. Very good. I appreciate you taking the time. And again, it shows how you give back, not just with money, but also your time. And best wishes to you and, and your entire team as you navigate these unprecedented times. Thank you, Gregor. Appreciate it very much.